Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Cole McNeely. Coming up, we'll take a quick look at one of the top stories from TheCenterSquare.com. And later, regional editor of The Center Square, Bruce Walker, and Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount will take a deeper dive into some of the top stories of the week. Coming up right after this on Wisconsin in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Get the news that you need to know at TheCenterSquare.com. That's TheCenterSquare.com. TheCenterSquare.com. Republican lawmakers in Madison unveiled what they are calling the Stronger Workforce Plan. The package includes proposals to require people on unemployment not to just look for work, but follow through with job interviews. Another plan would take away benefits for people who refuse job offers. Lawmakers are also pitching a plan that would set Wisconsin's unemployment benefits on a sliding scale. To read more about this story and many others, visit TheCenterSquare.com. Now for a closer look, it's Bruce Walker and Ben Yount. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for The Center Square. We're recording this episode on Thursday, January 20th, 2022. This week, as we do every week, we're talking to Ben Yount, The Center Square's Wisconsin correspondent. Hello, Ben. It is Thursday. It is time to to chat. And unsurprisingly, Bruce, I have a feeling we're going to talk about the election investigation here in Wisconsin. Well, election, whatever could you be talking about? (laughs) I mean, uh, I mean, you filed a story late yesterday that um, uh, presents a brand new wrinkle to this. I mean, prior to this, I I felt like David Byrne. I'm talking to Benjamin Yount saying, you're talking a lot, but you're not saying anything. But <laughs> but now here we are and we're, we're taking a bite off uh, the racism apple, as it seems. Yeah, you you almost knew that it would have to come to this at some point. I mean, there have been you know comments Godwin's about law, Godwin's uh, law, Nazism you, and racism. You 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 are you are exactly right, and 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 Nazism is probably coming next. But I mean, there have been complaints about this investigation into the twenty twenty election since the 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 day after the election in two thousand and twenty, when when Republicans first started asking questions, and then as it became formal first in in the legislature in Janelle Branchen's committee, and then became formal with former Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman. There have been complaints that this is overreach, uh, a waste of taxpayer money, conspiracy theory-esque. Tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. This, in the lawsuit from the immigrant group Voces de la Frontera, which is a huge force in Milwaukee politics, it is essentially a a catch-all advocacy group for Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, whatever term it chooses to use at the time. And they, like so many other democratically related entities in the state, got swept up in the Gableman investigation because he issued subpoenas. He sent the same sort of generic request for documentation, for communication. Mike Gableman is solely focused, and and it's 
to say solely focused on the, the Zucker Bucks. It is a very but he's not chasing down, you know, let's let's review the voting machines. And he's he's not trying to chase down individual acts of voter fraud. He wants to know if there was any collusion, essentially, between any of the Democratic establishment groups, any of the local elected county clerks, city clerks, Milwaukee's election commission and the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And so he, as part of that investigation, sent subpoenas earlier this month, like January 5th is the name that st- is the, uh, the date that sticks out, to Vosus de la Frontera saying, can you please provide me with this information? And yesterday, Vosus went to court in Dane County to try and get the, uh, those subpoenas tossed out. And as you would expect, uh, this is where the, the claims for the first time, I, it, again, not unexpected. First time claims of, of racism came up. And the, 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 the quote that we led with, Gableman's subpoena is modern day McCarthyite political theater designed to perpetuate lies about the 2020 election and silent and intimidate voters of color from exercising their right to free speech and their right to vote. The well, Joe McCarthy, right after all, was from Wisconsin. So, yeah, it's well, it, so it, there must be something in the water. Yes, yes, yes. Asking questions uh, in Wisconsin is at sometimes con- considered bad. But this is this you, is you can, you can tell that to your kids next time. Yes. Well, I, I my, my children are old enough that I can tell them that, you know, look, just don't when they're little, little, little. Hey, what's this? Why is this? Why? Uh, yeah, I remember those days, but my children are all <laughs> teenagers are grown now. So I, I get to have the, the adult responses to them. But this is this is the the, the latest in the steady drumbeat. The, the, the interesting question here is, as we remember from a couple of podcasts ago, that a judge in Dane County did not stop Gableman's subpoenas, that there is this question as to does he have the power, because he is a special election investigator, does he have the power to issue subpoenas that actually carry some legal weight? And the judge in Dane County essentially said yes, because he's been hired by the assembly speaker that then gives him the power of the legislature to compel testimony. Okay, but the hold judge, on, hold on, hold on. When you say essentially that sort of kind of sounds like uh wiggle worm words. Well, there, there's a lot of wiggle room words in this because while okay. the judge refused to stop the subpoenas, the judge also gave, Mike Gableman, the former Supreme Court justice, a very short leash on how he can use those subpoenas. Essentially, what the judge said was that, and, and this was a subpoena to Megan Wolf, the head of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, and we need a flow chart for this. We really should have a flow chart to j- just show all of the moving pieces as to who is who is who, like little like pictures the, on sticks. Right, or the, the, the lone gunman on the X-Files or yeah, something. We, we, where, we need okay, something like that. Sticks the, and, and yarn to connect the, everybody. The, the, the judge's ruling said Megan Wolf, who was challenging her subpoena, did not meet the threshold to say this subpoena is burdensome. There's no possible way I could comply with this. The judge gave her the option, though, of coming back and making that case. So while the judge did not stop Gableman's subpoena power, he left a wide open door for anyone to challenge the actual specifics of the subpoena as too broad, too much. And when you get past the McCarthyism and the claims of racism in the Vosis de la Frontera 
lawsuit. That's what they're saying. They're saying, look, this is just too much. He's asking for way too many things. He's asking for he's casting too broad of a net. So while while Gableman does have the power to issue subpoenas, just how much power he has, just how far that power goes, that's where your wiggle room words come in. And so we once again wait to see what the judge says. Now, to complicate the matters even further, because of course this story has to have a hold on, it's not yet over component, we're looking at a deadline of about the end of February. Assembly Speaker Voss, who began this investigation, had wanted the investigation wrapped up by the end of the year. But because of lawsuits like this one from Voss's and lawsuits from other elected officials, Green Bay's mayor, clerks in other cities, because of essentially the, 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 the recalcitrance of those who are receiving these subpoenas, the investigation has drug on. Voss has not set a hard deadline. He has not said you must have it done by this date. But he has set a soft deadline, saying that he wants Gableman's investigation wrapped up in time so that lawmakers can vote on any legislation that would come out of the investigation by the time they're done. And they're going to be done in March. This is an election year this year in Wisconsin. I'm sure you've heard some 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 rumblings about that. And so lawmakers I, I know typically writes a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's somebody somebody I've, I've, I've bumped into him every once in a while. Uh, because lawmakers are going to need the summer to go home and campaign because we we pass a budget once every two years here in Wisconsin, and this is not that year, lawmakers will be done quickly. So as we wait for the judge to rule on the Voces de la Frontera lawsuit, as we wait for sort of the machinations of the opposition to this investigation, there's a good chance that the investigation will end with a mountain of unanswered questions, lawmakers will go back to the Capitol in Madison and pump out a number of pieces of legislation. And look, we already know what we're talking about here. We're talking about absentee ballots. We're talking about indefinitely confined voters. We're talking about ballot drop boxes. We're talking about ballot harvesting, the so-called uh, democracy in the park in Madison. We're, we're talking about a handful of things that don't involve national reach, that don't involve auditing voting machines. They will pass with an overwhelming Republican majority. They will go to Governor Evers and he will kill them the minute they get to his desk because he's already done this with the election investigation legislation that was passed last year. So we we are we have some questions that need to be answered. Again, it's always good to have a, a precedent as to how much power the legislature has. But some of these things, we're, we're headed towards a dead end, and I can very much see courts here in Wisconsin who are getting tired of this investigation and all of the litigation simply coming back and saying, well, it's a moot point. The investigation's over. Gableman's issued his report. We're going to go ahead and dismiss all of this because there's no need to move forward. So that's where we are this week as of Thursday. But as we as we check, I perhaps should check Twitter to see what has happened next, because uh, each and every day there is there is something there is an action, a reaction, a reaction to the reaction and then another action. And so by the time we take this next week, I'm sure there will be three or four new stories uh, into the election investigation. But it it all we have seen this movie before. 
and we pretty much know exactly how this movie is going to end. But, you know, as 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 with some of the great rerun movies that pop up on cable TV all weekend, Castaway and, and Apollo 13 being some of them, you're going to sit down and watch the end of it because, you know what, it's interesting. It's a good story. We, we've invested this much time in it, and uh, we're, we're going to finish it out from here on out, and then maybe we'll change the channel and find something else to focus on. Well, before we 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 drop this topic, I, there's just the one quote from uh, the the letter from the the group that you were speaking about, uh, voces de la frontera, and I I just think it needs to be read because, um, I'm I'm not that guy who likes to editorialize a lot, but there's a, a what is called a logical fallacy that is called demagoguing the issue and uh where not only do they call it a witch hunt and they call it mccarthyism and uh but they also say that it's continues to spread lies about the 2020 election and validate the objectives of the violent right-wing attempted coup on january 6th and is it just me or is that just a wee tad heavy handed? I, I don't think it's a wee or a tad heavy handed. I think that, that it is it is exactly it is what I would call red meat for the meat eaters. That this is this is sort of a of, of a talk radio Twitter term that you throw out the red meat, knowing that the meat eaters are gonna are gonna scramble and raw. I, I guess it would be <laughs> tofu for the vegans, uh, or or whatever vegans love to to, to eat caraway chips or, or or some nonsense like that. But no, this is and and this is so much of what the election investigation has become that it is not about the specific questions of okay, just what happened in Green Bay because we. We still don't have that answer. Remember, and it's, it seems like forever ago because it was more than a year ago, but in the aftermath of the 2020 election, maybe December of 2020, January of 2021, we started to get the first emails, the first actual proof, circumstantial evidence, but evidence nonetheless that something didn't go right up in green bay that there were there were some there were some head scratchers and here we are now january of 2022 and we still don't have any real answers as to just what happens we think we have a picture we we have some of the pieces of the puzzle but we don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle and as opposed to focus on that which, which again you know the, the 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 technicality of the court's here has essentially said, well, there's nothing that says drop boxes are technically illegal, so they were allowed. There's nothing that says Mark Zuckerberg can't give five communities in Wisconsin nearly $9 million, so it's technically not illegal. And as opposed to dealing with that, which is a very real question, which again is going to be part of the legislation that I'm certain comes out of the Republican legislature, you have groups like Voces de la Frontera, other Democratic uh, lawmakers, leaders, advocate groups, trying to tie the idea of if you question the 2020 election in any way, any way, you are part of the crowd that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. You are an insurrectionist if you want to know if Mark Zuckerberg's group bought the Green Bay election count. And and there is, I mean, this is, I don't even know if you can say they're tangentially related. I guess they both have election in the same sentence. But no, you're, you're right that this very much is demagoguing the issue. But this is, this is sort of what Voses does. 
that they are very much an, an advocacy group that throws red meat to the meat eaters. And, you know, look, this is what we're talking about on this podcast. And we write about this stuff every week from the Capitol. Imagine the conversations that you get from the Milwaukee television stations or the, the, the radio stations up in Wausau that don't have the time, that don't have somebody at the Capitol, that don't have the, the sort of institutional knowledge to say, yeah, 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 okay, here's this, and then here's this, throwing out these these accusations, January 6th, that goes a long way. What, what, what's, the, what, what's the stat? Most people read no more than 250 words of a story and forget half of it. Most people get their news from the headlines in their Twitter feed or their uh, their Facebook feed. They don't actually read the story. And so when Voces de la Frontera says we're suing to stop, you know, Mike Gableman, who is essentially a January 6th guy. That's the impression that a lot of the people who read this stuff, not our stuff, because we do a good job with our headlines, but who read this stuff on Twitter. That's the impression they get. And that's the impression that Voces wants to leave, that how dare you question the 2020 election in Wisconsin? So um, we're not going to see Gableman soon at the hat makers getting himself a getting fitted for a tinfoil hat or uh or bison horns no no i i think we can i think we can quite safely assume that uh former supreme court justice mike gableman will not be painting his face will not be getting a a a, a fur vest and will not be storming the wisconsin capital although they would just let him in uh you know the, the wisconsin <laughs> capital is once again there, open. apparently there's no dress code <laughs> no well, I, I think you have to have a coat and a tie to be on the floor that I, I know on the floor as a lawmaker i think in the press box as well i don't i try not i try not to get down since since they closed down most of the restaurants in madison uh, i haven't been there is a great place right off the square called the great dane and they're not paying for us we should send them an invoice for this for this mention but it is wings bruce the size of my fist I mean, these are huge chicken wings. Well, how do and, I know you don't have tiny hands? Well, it's that that is that is true. Uh, okay. But they they've got this great gorgonzola sauce. Oh, it is it is worth putting up with with all of the the the, the nonsense that is in Madison, which not only is the state capital, not only is it a university town, it is it is like the liberal epicenter of the state of Wisconsin. I will put up with that just because these wings are that good but you know dane county's under a mask mandate and all sorts of other it just it's it, it is so inconvenient to go and eat and then go home that it's just you know i have to wait until sanity is restored before i can go get my wings well i am familiar with madison somewhat my my daughter is a badger so graduated several years ago but there you have it so let's move along let's talk about loosening restrictions licensing restrictions on school bus drivers <laughs> yeah yeah look hey this is this is one of these stories and i chuckle because it, there there really is a school bus driver shortage in the state of wisconsin i don't care if if you're way up north you know, if you're up in superior or if you're down here in the wow counties it doesn't matter that there there's just 
people are reluctant to go back to work. A lot of the folks who were driving school buses were, were retirees, and people who, who, are, who are the most vulnerable to the coronavirus. And so you had a lot of people who were laid off from that job, either get new jobs or just decide, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not coming back. The idea of a, a school bus driver shortage in Wisconsin is very real, and it's it's problematic. We get at least one or two schools across the state each week cancel classes on a monday or a friday or you know one or two days because they just simply don't have the buses uh, you know bus driver test positive five other people have to quarantine now they don't have enough people to get the kids to school so this really is a a, a serious issue schools are dealing with i think it was was it was it wausau schools or was it oshkosh schools no it was one of those schools up in that sort of central area where they were turning to school administrators to say, hey, can you go drive the bus because we don't have enough people? The part that makes me chuckle is that the DMV is doing this now two years into the coronavirus pandemic. They're, 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 you know, they're finally moving here in January of 2020 not back in August when kids were coming back to school, not last January when kids started going back to school, not the summer before that when kids started coming back to school. They're, they're doing it now. And I, the, the, the lead that I, I used was two years into Wisconsin's school bus shorter, uh, driver shortage. The state of Wisconsin says it's now trying to help. And they're, they're, they're taking away the under the hood section of the school bus driver's test. Now, to be a school bus driver, you have to have what's called a, a commercial driver's license, a CDL. Right. Uh, it's, uh, people have, have heard, I'm sure you've heard the, the commercials. If you watch television late at night, uh, you know, you got a CDL, we can put you to work. Uh, CDL, commercial driver's license. And and it's a, it's a test that has a number of different sections. Because if you want to drive the big rigs that carry hazardous waste, there's a bunch of questions for that. If you're going to drive a, a, a motor coach, a, you know, a, a shuttle bus, that's a different designation than if you're just driving a big rig. There is school bus driver section of that as well. And I think the general test is 90 questions. It's 50, 20, 20. And then there are 20 questions specific to school buses. And some of them are, I don't want to say common sense, but I took the practice test to, to write this story. I took the practice test, having never studied, and I got 20, no, I got, I got 16 of 20 questions correct, which means I technically failed because you need to get better than 16. But it was it, it was a couple of specific questions. The under the hood questions talk about, uh, you know, oil pressure and antifreeze. And they, they, they want to make sure that when you check your bus, you can spot a leak in the engine. Well, mm -hmm. the DMV says we're going to drop that portion. You still have to pass the portion about getting kids on the bus and off the bus, stopping at, at train tracks, opening the door, putting out the stop arm, you know, all of that stuff. But they're, they're, they're going to drop the handful of questions of under the hood. And, and this is, the, again, wonderful, fantastic. I think you can read through the center square in general and find a number of stories that are supportive of occupational licensing reform. So anything that gets the government out of the way for people to work is, is in general, you know, it, it, it's a good thing at, at our website, but yeah, this, this is one of these ones where cool, great, wonderful. Yes. Make it easier for people to work. Why did you wait so long? <laughs> Why? Cause it's, it, you know, it takes at least three to five weeks, if not, if not almost a, a full two months, because once you take the CDL past the CDL, you then have to go get hired, pass the drug test, pack, pass the background check. Again, all of these things, I, I, I you know, 
I'm all for second chances, but I don't want meth smoking felons driving my kids to school. So all of those things are, are, are good as well. And then there's some training period. So here in January, the end of January of 2022, to make this change, you're going to help get school bus drivers out in April, May. School in Wisconsin ends in, in June. Now, again, again, cool, great, wonderful. But yeah, the question has to be what 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 took so long? Well, yeah, and as you said, we're we're all about occupational licensing reform and making it easier. There's obviously ludicrous regulations out there uh, applying to certain professions that need not be. But um, what about? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, bail reform. Oh, if, if you thought that the the <laughs> the election investigation conversation would go on forever, get ready for 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 conversation about bail reform. Uh, in fact, I, I imagine that I will file stories today uh, based on this because there, there's a hearing at the Wisconsin Capitol today. Bail reform became the center focus after the Waukesha Christmas parade attack because. Because the suspect in that, Daryl Brooks Jr., was released on $1,000 bail just days before police say he drove through that crowd. Now, he was released on bail in a domestic violence case in which he, as everyone has heard by now, I'm assuming, tried to run a woman over with the exact same red SUV that he was driving when he went through the Waukesha Christmas Parade crowd. So the story is Milwaukee's district attorney, John Chisholm, is one of these DAs, one of these prosecutors across the country that is dedicated to the idea of low or no bail. The, the, the reformist explanation is people should not be in jail because they're simply too poor to pay their bail and get out. Criminalizing poverty is not a good idea. The reality is that suspects like Brooks and countless others are getting low or no bail on violent felony crimes. And then they go back out and commit new crimes. It was Daryl Brooks back in late November, early December for the Walker Shore Christmas Parade attack. Now there are three teenagers who were arrested in a carjacking robbery and attempted murder of an off-duty police officer in downtown Milwaukee. Two of those suspects were also out on low bail. One of them was out on a $500 bail on a felony on a felony charge at the time. So Republican lawmakers at the Capitol continue to say, look, this is not just a Milwaukee problem. This is not just a conversation about the idea of justice and the idea of making sure that people don't stay in jail because they can't afford their bail. This is becoming a real public safety threat. And State Senator Van Wangard from down in Racine hosting a hearing where they are going to give the, the first opportunity for the plan that one would change the Wisconsin Constitution to deal with our bail requirement. Constitution says everyone in Wisconsin is eligible for bail. And it says judges cannot really hold against someone if it's a violent crime. Now, in reality, can you offer somebody a $5 million bail and satisfy both of those requirements? Absolutely. In practice, does that happen? Very rarely. Two other pieces of legislation that are coming up before the hearing. One would set mandatory minimum bails for people who are convicted of violent felonies or sorry, charged with violent felonies or certain violent misdemeanors. And the other would set a mandatory minimum bail for people who are already facing a bail jumping charge. Go to court judge releases you, you never show back up. 
that's bail jumping in Wisconsin. This plan would say, okay, if we now arrest you again and you have an open bail jumping, you got to put up $5,000 cash because we're not going to just simply continue to let you skip out on court dates, skip out on court dates, skip out on court dates. As, as one of the talk show hosts here in Milwaukee puts it, it's second chance, third chance, fourth chance. Now somebody's dead. Okay. Now we have to get serious and give you a, a, a high bail. And so this is the conversation going forward because this is not only legislation, but as we said again, this is an election year and crime, law and order are already issues. What started out is the burning of Kenosha and putting that at the feet of Tony Evers. Now you are going to I, I can I can predict it because I've covered campaigns before. You are going to have you're, you're going to have ads from some group someplace somewhere in the state of wisconsin putting the waukesha christmas parade attack at the feet of the governor and saying this is what happens when liberals are soft on crime uh, i i know it's coming because you know i i live in the world and i got two ears two eyes and 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 half a brain to uh to be able to look into the crystal ball and i think we've established previously that you are a bit of a nostradamus so there you have it but yeah it it, it is it is this this is another one of these stories that, that we will be we'll be writing about and talking about here on the podcast uh for months to come sounds good i guess at least we'll have something to talk about ben but that's all the time we have for this week's episode of wisconsin in focus i'd like to thank ben yount for his insights you can find all of ben's stories as well as all the center square articles and podcasts at the center square.com that is the center square com. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for the Center Square. Ben and I will be back next week with another episode of Wisconsin in Focus. Have a great week.